Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back. This might surprise you that we're back in your podcast feeds, and I know you're probably wondering, what are you guys doing? The, The season's over. You reviewed the match. You bragged about all your episodes. What are you doing? Nick. What are we doing? <laughs> We've got an encore. Do we? We've got an encore for this one. That's fun. A little a little special deal here for our Patreon people. Uh, so for those of you listening that are not involved, uh, we have a Patreon page. And if you are kind enough to give us a couple bucks a month, a few to be specific, um, we have this awesome Discord server. And on that Discord server, we source a lot of questions for our podcast. And so... What we did is we just hosted a a live quote-unquote podcast where a lot of our Patreons got to hang out and watch the Zoom call happen live for a pod. And so, Nick, we said, hey, you know, it'd be fun if we did a bit of a mailbag. So we now have questions from those same people, special, I don't want to say the exclusive word, but it's just a fun little opportunity for them to get involved. So it's an encore, just like rock stars and celebrities have all the time. Now, we have encores. Yep, exactly. We are celebrities, as everyone knows. Um, you know, it's tough to go anywhere in this in this place. You have paparazzi everywhere. Um, yeah, we're this is a this is kind of a thank you to our Patreon folks who have been with us for a long time, and I think especially during the early parts of quarantine, really kept my spirits high through all the discussion and the virtual pubs that we did and and everything. You guys have done an incredible job of uh, remaining positive when I am at my most negative. And 
yeah, I just I, I think I wanted to say thank you to this community. Discord overwhelms me at times, Dan, as you know. That's why I only pop in on, on very rare occasions, but uh, it's it's an amazing group. Yeah, it's a specific adding that needs to occur to challenge you to come back into the Discord for a little bit. Obviously, huge thanks to our, our wonderful community. But, I mean, here, here's the real thing. Chelsea Football Club is an entity. It is an engine. It is a machine. The conversation and the chatter doesn't stop because there isn't a Premier League match going on. There's a ton of stuff to talk about, Brandon. Like the, the Premier League season is over. It's baked. It's done. The position is locked in. There's an FA Cup still coming up. There's transfer signings. There's a ton of conversation, ins and outs, and we just wanted to hit up some questions. Also a four-goal comeback against Bayern Munich that's, that's going to happen. <laughs> still Writ- in the cards. Written in the stars. They're going to have to rename the uh, stadium. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, look, before we get into the mailbag, uh, every now and then, we are blessed with some really cool opportunities, and uh, I really wish I could use your real first name, but I can't. So, Bearded Bunny, my man, uh, a massive congratulations. You posted in the Discord um, that you've been engaged to, the, I'm not going to say where she ranks in your life, as the love of your life. Uh, and don't on, tell her she's second was the oh, first comment. Sure. Not going to do that, man, for your sake. Cause you old strategy, you. <laughs> but Hey, a massive congratulations. We've had some really cool, uh, moments this season. We've had babies, we've had marriages, we've had engagements. Uh, and look, you're in our community, you're in our family. And so from us to you, uh, congratulations. Uh, she's lucky to be with a Chelsea fan cause it could be far, far worse. So, all the best to you uh, and her, without a doubt. So, uh, Dan, over to you now for the biz. Uh, as you wrote, you would like to prime the audience, aka give them a heads up for what they're in for, because this is a curveball to what we normally do. Hot days. Hot days ahead. 48 Hours FC is back. <laughs> Nicholas, I know you're excited. You know, we had the uh, Padula saga you know, a, a year ago, when we think about, uh, what, you know, two years ago, we had the whole Jorginho and Sari situations. Now Christian Falk, who has been the man on the scene, he was the one breaking the Timo Werner news. He's now talking about what it means for Chelsea and Kai Havertz, who's the next name on the transfer list for the wonderful Blues. Leverkusen does not insist on participating of Kai Havertz in EuroLeague. Like your trip. Uh, now the negotiations are getting hot. Underline and stop. Hot. Yeah, but you hear why that that um, that Leverkusen are are ready to play ball, Nick? It's because apparently we're going to drop a fat stack of eighty million euros on their doorstep, and they're like, "Oh, you're going to pay up front? Yeah, he's yours. Take him. Gone." <laughs> so I guess Roman is uh, flexing the cash or the checkbook. To say the least. Well, it helps to have Champions League revenue. It also uh, helps that, you know, fair play is gone. Financial fair play is clearly dead. Eviscerated. Not Um, enforceable per UEFA's own rules. Yes. Embarrassing. Well, and they clearly can't argue their own cases. So I feel pretty confident that we we can ruin football again without their lawyers getting involved. Um, this is, uh, this is going to be an interesting one. It's obviously seeming more inevitable by the day. Um, also like how Dan quoted our source here, uh, instead of, uh, copying and pasting, which I think is, is really fun. Um, this is a, this is a big one, uh, given what we know of this team and some of the outs that are going to happen. Uh, 
you know, getting a quality young player alongside Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech and, you know, what the, the core that we already have in Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic and Tammy Abraham and Giroud up front, we're going to be really dangerous next year with him. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of count it in my mind until it's official. Uh, but we will also, Brandon, as you know, we will do a whole pod special with our friend Joe Tweeds when this news breaks, and uh, and that will be a big one because Joe has 40,000 spreadsheets prepared to talk about that one. Yeah, He's already queued I, up. We've queued him up. <laughs> so true. Um, so Miller, uh, this also is going to be pretty much presented to you by Miller, uh, who has a lot of questions for us. Thank you. It says... Oh, sorry. I got to scroll up a little bit. All right. This is from Jake Thurman. I apologize. It's not Miller time yet, baby. Not yet. Assuming Averts is in, does he play midfield for you? And if so, what's your midfield? So, Dan, if if you have to guess, because there's more signings. We know Avert, We know Timo Werner's in. We know Hakim Ziyech is in, like, he's, like Nick just said. Um, if you were to add Havertz to this, based on the formations Frank has played and the other players that they already have at our disposal, because you can't really guess it who else is coming in, what do you think that midfield looks like next season? I think given that we, like, let's say we don't sign anybody else and, mm-hmm. and Havertz is the last one in, I think our midfield ends up becoming Mount, Havertz, and Conte if he's healthy. Um, so you get a midfield three with a, a front three attacking in front of it. I mean, I, I, Havertz is, is kind of a unique character. You know, he's played on, on the wing. He's played uh, at times this season due to injury. Leverkusen is actually a, as the number nine. He's played in a midfield as, a, as an attacking midfielder. And so he has a lot of, which again, this is fantastic. He's, he has the positional flexibility to be super interchangeable, which I, I know is something you love a lot, Nick, when someone comes in and they can do a whole lot of different things. And so... It's just, it's it's interesting that we brought in Werner, who can play as the main striker or at, on the wings, probably better on the wings. We brought in, you know, Ziesch, who can play in a central position, but also benefits from playing on the wings. And we now bring in potentially Havertz, who can play in multiple positions. It's just we're giving ourselves a lot of ways to line up and giving attackers a, a lot of different looks, which is going to be very difficult when you think about preparing to play against Chelsea next season because they can throw a whole lot of different attacking fronts at you. Yeah, if, if you have watched all the highlights, like I'm sure everyone has to this point, uh, of Kai Havertz. Um, Thanks, Tiggs. I, you're the man. <laughs> yeah, your boy, your boy Tiggs is coming through in the clutch. Um, I, I, the player that I liken him most to is, is Thomas Muller. Um, and if you're able to have a guy who can just kind of do everything, score him, assist him, uh, dribble through players, make key ta- – you know, I, he's he's an all-rounder. Frank doesn't have to form his team around Havertz to have a complete, you know, kind of formation or, or whatever. I think Havertz will kind of play the 10. He'll play an 8. He'll play striker. He'll do whatever, um, you know, and, and that's a really valuable weapon. Uh, I think when you look at the signings that are, you know, Havertz is a potential signing still, but you look at Werner and Ziyech. I think Frank is aiming to, one, increase conversion of chances next year, uh, which is pretty obvious because we've done kind of not that great of a job this year in chance conversion, and we still scored a bunch of goals. And then the second thing is I think he's looking to decrease the on-again, off-again performances that we've had against these block defenses. 
And a block defense is against, you know, Kai Havertz and a Timo Werner have a whole bunch of different problems than what they have with our current squad. Um, so I, my guess is this is going to be a pretty dynamic team moving forward next year. Uh, and, you know, it, you know, if you're able to beat West Ham and Bournemouth or not Bournemouth now, you know, any of these other teams that are coming up, Leeds, Leeds. consistently. Dirty leads. You have a you have a much better chance of ascending the table in much more comfortable fashion than we did this year. Just from a from a stats perspective, so when you think about what Kai Havertz is bringing, so his goal plus assist uh, for the past two season uh, per ninety point six seven, uh, and then point six five the past two years, and that's in playing forty matches and then forty two matches respectively in the past two seasons, playing almost thirty five hundred minutes last season, playing. <laughs> 3,600 minutes this season. And again, played over multiple different positions. And so I I think, you know, generational talent is one of those things I don't like when it's thrown around, but having someone who's super flexible from a position standpoint, can score with regularity, can assist with regularity. Like we have had trouble at times this season, Brandon, being able to execute from an attacking phase, even though we've gotten to really good positions. And so having someone, again, just adding some clinicality to what we're doing is fantastic. So, um, yes, obviously to all of that. Um, but I think what we'll see is a very fluid front four, front five from this team. So I think, like, yeah, you know, he's going to have a position. But I really think that... Um, it's going to like the movement off the ball and in seeing the way Havertz plays. I mean, he finds himself in some very non-traditional positions in the box, but like that nose for goal is so good. He plays on instinct. And then again, if I agree, if you have a midfield of N'Golo Kante holding, you're free to send Mount and Havertz forward. And depending on the match, maybe you want Kovacic for really high possession. Um, and I think you move Jorginho on. I think you cash in while you can. While Mauricio Sarri, iron is hot. You know, you, you send him there because that's the only place that's going to really go for him. So, um, yeah, I think that th- we're going to have a formation. We're going to have things like that. But it's going to be very fluid from, from Chelsea next season. And expect that tactically. Uh, I think Frank's teeing up and really excited about that. So, um, next one from... Lay Vanilla Gorilla says he's French, obviously. <laughs> he says, Now it appears that Kai again will be joining the Blues. What would you gentlemen prioritize more and which would make a bigger impact? An elite goalkeeper, and he, he throws out a, a random name of Oblock, and a good center back like Ake or Rice, or a solid goalie, Onana, and an elite center back, Koulibaly or Skriniar from Inter Milan. Um, look, we have a lot of goalkeeper talk a little bit later. But I think it's an interesting question. Would you go elite goalkeeper and above average center back? Or do you guys think we need to go elite center back and above average goalkeeper? Uh, Dan, over to you. I don't think the financials. So I think if you look at the types of players Chelsea have gone after in the past one to two windows, it has been someone in the mid or usually in the early 20s, so they're in the early part in their career, because from like the way that we plan it out is that you either want to be able to sign them to an extension and keep them with the club a little bit longer because you've now locked them in, and now the the amortized fee for the signing is done, and they're actually they're, they're on the books fee over the next 
three, you know, the, the one, two, three, four seasons afterwards is going to be much reduced because all you're doing is paying wages at that point. Or you're signing someone for high impact for potentially a lower fee for the fact that they're only going to be here on one term and they're eventually going to leave on a free or leave for a very minimal um, investment afterwards. So the idea of Kulabali or uh, Skinner is, is great. They just don't fit the profile of signing that if you look at the last one to two windows that Chelsea would go after. The idea of someone like Rice fits way better with what Chelsea have done. And you might end up paying more for him, but what you'll probably do is if you sign him, it would be like a six-year contract. And so the fee for, you know, even if it's like 50 million pounds, uh, because again, West Ham are not in good financial situations right now. And so if you sign him, you do it over six seasons, and then you reduce the average per year, you know, by one to two to three million. And so his fee actually becomes way more negotiable over that time period. I, I think that's probably the right route to go. Um, we, we're just we're not signing, you know, players that are in the high 20s and 30s outside of maybe a goalkeeper would potentially fit that profile of someone who's a little bit more tenured in position, it might be the bridge position, Nick, Nick, two things. I think we should say that Onana is way like the difference there. I think we need to pull that back. We're talking like Ben Foster, Jack Butland. Like, I think that's a more appropriate level goalkeeper. We have to kind of set that bar for. Um, so keep that. Why, in why mind. do you say that? Well, I think Onana to me is like he's in the upper echelons. I don't think he's a huge improvement on Kepa, but I just think from a price standpoint, He'll be considered higher like a Donnarumma, potentially. I think that we need to readjust and say, if you're going with for like a Declan Rice or, well, you're not getting Nathan Ake because apparently he's going to City, that goalkeeper bar has to be much lower as far as who he can bring in. That's all. Um, versus if you can flip it, if you can get an O'Block or a Dean Henderson, for example, you saw those those center back figures go much lower in that sense. And that, like Declan's going to be the same price as is a Koulibaly like I, I hear your question Vanilla Gorilla but like there's no way you're getting an Onana and a Koulibaly like that kind of breaks your model <laughs> I, I think this question is is well structured though yes correct I, I I like the idea of do, do we need a better goalkeeper more than we need a better center back or is it vice versa and the answer is yes <laughs> you know I think both and yes and uh, would be a great thing if you if you're into improv you do a little yes and. Um, I think personally I would prefer, uh, and this will be unsurprising to Brandon and his goalkeepers union. I would prefer a absolute top quality center back over a top quality goalkeeper because I think a top quality center back does a lot to ensure that the top quality goalkeeper doesn't have to do much. Um, so that, that's just my rational way of, of thinking about it. So Look, I, I agree I, with you, but I think the problem that I have with my own statement is that there isn't a ton of top quality center backs mm -hmm. that are out there that exist. And we know that Oblak and Donnarumma are absolutely top a goalkeepers that if we meet their fee, we might be able to get now their fees are absolutely ridiculous, but you know, they're, they're, they may be more attainable than a top-quality center back at this stage. Correct. Uh, and I think that's where it, uh, it's it's kind of hard. The In theory, this is where you want to go in, in actuality, mm -hmm. right? In reality, um, it's going to be impossible. So like Dean Henderson, yeah, I would love – like perfect profile checks all the boxes. 
with a struggling De Gea and on a long contract with United, he's going nowhere. He's going nowhere, by for, the way. Not well, for like and, and United are not going to sell to us, right? No. Like, we have made the mistake of selling to United. We've uh, given them United one month to Nemanja the They owe us, and we gave them Jose Mourinho. Joke's on you. <laughs> so, anyways. Two three I, and bad. I agree. Center back, and here's why. Super simple. If you prevent it from getting the goalkeeper, you don't need a great goalkeeper. If you can stop it from even getting to them with a great center back, and also the great center back by leadership will improve the other center back and the outside backs or wing backs in front of them, much better in my opinion. So, um, next one, Miller time. Miller what do you time. think? When do you think you'll plan a London is blue trip to the bridge? Last game of next season, and will it be on a private plane? Uh, Dan is our official travel guru. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we can't go right now. But there's they won't a, have us right now. <laughs> there've been a lot we're, of. We're, we're not allowed to travel. This is the like the number one question we get from people is when are you going back? Obviously, we don't know right now. But I think we can assure everyone that the second it's safe, we're going back. And we, if we get enough people, and you're willing to pay enough, I'm happy to get a private jet from JFK to, to go right into Heathrow. And back, you all just need to get to New York City. Oh, we, we we can always share our travel itinerary with people. That Absolutely. is that is not a problem. Um, and you know, I think some of the most fun that we've had doing this podcast over the last six years now has been getting the opportunity to interact with you know our, our listenership and, and you know, our, our our friends who have been generated out of that. And I think we are jonesing for an opportunity to get to travel again and we're super excited about a possible u.s tour this summer that is not going to happen obviously because of a lot of external now hold on dan are you sure are you sure it's only july 26 yeah, maybe chelsea chelsea's going to go to the orlando bubble and they're going to operate out <laughs> of the wild world of sports uh, like everybody else and yeah we can all go to orlando not, um bad idea florida do not we're not doing that um but yeah, we, we would love to go back again. And we, you know, as soon as we know when that's safe to do and when we can do that as a group, we want to do that with everybody. It's my favorite thing in the world to do. Yeah. Right? We, the, the minute that we are able to safely do what we're going to do, we're going. Absolutely. There's nothing better than as Chelsea fans getting to go see your team in person. We will continue to organize that. We will continue to find a way, even if you're you know not a Chelsea in America or a True Blue supporter, there are options. Um Obviously, albeit a little bit more pricey, but we can make it happen. And again, uh, it would be fun if we could somehow say like, hey, we're flying out of X airport. If you guys can make it there, let's go together. Uh, so we'll yeah. work on that. I think that'd be a ton of fun. All right, Jay on Discord saying, can we all just agree Mount is in serious contention as our future captain? Question mark. Seven goals, five assists, endless <laughs> pressing, boundless energy in his debut season. Nick, you're pretty excited about the Mr. Mason Mount. Money Mace, as Dan likes to put in his DMs as we uh, have a fun conversation with Mason on Instagram. Anyways. Uh, oh, you 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 dropped the secret you're gonna, in him. Yeah, you're going to name him. We interviewed him as if people don't know we don't have a relationship with Mason. I mean, I'm not flaunting private information. I'm not flexing or whatever the kids call it. Nick. No, you, you Mason flexed. Mount. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> Mason Mount. <laughs> future captain um who knows I, I honestly don't know like the the amount of future captains that could potentially come out of a season like this uh between a guy like reese james who's more of an aspie lead by example type um all the way through to 
you know, even a guy like Pulisic, who I thought exhibited some captain capabilities, there's a ton of options here. The thing that everyone has done this year that has cracked me up and I've, I've harped on is that you've already retired Aspie somehow when asking some of these questions. I'm not saying this one specifically, obviously, but Aspie's going to be around for a while. And there's still a lot of work to do. If you heard Frank talk about him in his post-match press conference, uh, the love that emanates for Aspie and the fact that he played with Aspie and now is his manager, and they are still on the same page. Um, let, let's. I think there's plenty of time to decide that. I'm not willing to commit to a person right now, Dan. So I, I think the thing is that similar to the Terry Cahill model is what could happen. Like let's just envision next year. If Asby, it's some, Asby will be the captain, right? The, Frank is not going to transition that over to someone else as long as Asby is in the picture. What will happen, though, is if someone like Georgina leaves, it will be a new vice captain. And it could be someone like Mason. If Declan comes in, it could be someone like Declan, who is as much Chelsea as you know many of the other individuals who grew up in Chelsea and is, is thirsting to come back to the club. So, like... I think that's potentially a scenario that's interesting, like who Frank will choose as, as a vice captain standpoint. Um, but yeah, a, a, this is the scene in Monty Python and the quest of the Holy Grail. Like Aspie is not dead yet and he is getting better. <laughs> so like, let's not put him on the cart and wheel him away yet. Bring out your Def- dead. <laughs> he is still there and he's still going to contribute next season. So if you're, if you're writing him off and you're saying that he's not ready, you know, that someone else should be captain today, like that's not going to happen next year. Right. Are you saying captain material? Potentially. I mean, we also said, yeah. we all said Rudiger was captain material about a year ago and that has taken a wild change. So look, this, I think Frank likes Mason. He's came through Cobham. He's kind of checked all the boxes along the way. So I'll just say, yes, Jay, he's on the right path. Like, to potentially be in a position to be captain, absolutely. We've seen, you know, young players like Jack Grealish and James Madison and obviously Declan Rice carry really big roles for the teams as these young players. So um, it's not out of the it's not out of the po- realms of possibility in the future. But again, you know, to Nick's point, like Aspie, like a guy like Fikayo Tamori too mm-hmm. is a is captain material. If he's around next year, and I, I know that he hasn't played, and so it's easy to kind of forget about him. He was revered for his leadership abilities, both at the youth levels and through Darby and all of his loans and stuff. Like, the guy's a born leader. Mm-hmm. And Reese is, too, to be fair to him. A little bit quieter, maybe, but also a leader. Like, we are blessed with an abundance of up-and-coming leaders. So, best of luck to Frank on which one he picks. Yeah. Well, like, you're starting to get some international captains. Pulisic is the U.S. men's national team captain. Um, you have some very experienced players at Hakim Ziyech coming in and Timo Werner, potentially Kai Havertz is younger, but international experience. We're kind of getting back to that l- kind of minimum level of established international players and things. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is attracting the international captains, uh, which is what we saw in some of our best years at Chelsea. So great question, Jay. Um, Miller and Vignesh talking about center backs here. So if we buy a center back, who do we sign to pair with Zuma? which is obviously Miller's way of saying Zuma plus one. Uh, and Vignesh saying, why does Rudy, who is supposed to be our best defender, look so shaky as of late? Zuma is definitely the best central defender at the club now, in my opinion. So I guess, gentlemen, from your standpoint, it's easy to forget Christensen's had a really good run until he's gotten injured, got a knock. Um, Nick, from your perspective, is it Zuma plus? Is it Christensen plus? Is it Zuma Christensen? Is it 
I know you said we need to sign a new center back, but you also said the talent pool is pretty shallow. Next season, what do you think we can do in the center back area that'd be best for Chelsea? As of today, Zuma has played his way into being the one of the two options. I don't. I wouldn't even call him a B option at this point because we have no idea what who the A option is. Um, but I, I think he's probably my number two. Rudiger is an enigma to me. I mean, some of the some of the missed tackles and, and misplaced slides and things like that against Wolves were, were puzzling. And I don't think he's improved um, maybe since Antonio was here, to be honest. Um, so I, I that worries me a little bit, if I'm honest. And so it's, you know, then if you look at a guy like Fakayo, who's already on your books and costs you basically nothing in wages, you would have to move on from either Christensen or Rudiger in my mental scenario that I'm throwing out here. So whichever one, I guess you, that you can get the most value from, that's the one you sell. I, my guess is that it's Christensen that would require the most value, but I think a lot of people are really fond of Rudiger and, and rightfully so he's done a lot in his career. I just don't know if he's rated as highly. He's a little bit older than Christensen. So, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I mean, I think, look, the, the club likes the idea of Declan Rice as a center back. And that, that is the one that's been reported. You know, you've seen it from Matt Law. You've seen it from other very reputable journalists in the in the transfer business, the, the Fabricios and, and others. I think Zuma, to that point, we you know, talked about this, has played himself into being the partner to whomever we bring in. And then... Yeah, it's tough. I think you could actually see both Christensen and Rudiger go if you could also then find a third or a second center back signing in some capacity. I, I I just I have not been super convinced by either of them. It's kind of like it's a whack a mole, right? You know, they they're good for a stretch, and then there's an instance where they drop down, and the quality is regressed for a period of games, and and that level of inconsistency part partially due to. The rotation, right? Because we have rotated very heavily. And so it's been very difficult to establish the solidity in a center back pairing, which I know we've talked about. Brandon is something that needs to be developed. And when you consistently change, it's not good for that pairing. But we have tried Rudiger plus Christensen. We've tried Christensen and Tamori. We've We've tried Christensen and Zuma. We've done everything. And the only one who has walked out of all of this looking heads and shoulders above everybody else is Kurt Zuma. And then Fakayo is just obviously had, had a bad run of injury and definitely is going to be the one you want to take a look at next season yeah. um, or potentially as a make weight in a transfer negotiation. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that we also interviewed Fakayo Tamori. So if I can weird flex on you again, apparently. Oh, man. No, honestly, I think so. Zuma to us is the standard, but we need an upgrade on him. Like he's not the end product that we want or the a level signing type player that we need we feel like he's a really good number two to a strong center back that can organize verbally have really good positional sense and things like that so i think that's just the key to kind of wrap up this that based on what you guys have said is that again zoom is the new level where do we go from here in terms of upward mobility so um yeah and i think that if you get rid of christensen but keep rudiger this is going to be hard for me to say. I think you're a worse off team than if you were to keep Rudiger and let Christensen go. Um, 
So the club is going to have to figure out, do they maximize value or quality in the squad? And they'll have to figure it out. So it's kind of funny if I can out Gary Hayes, we were talking about how Rudiger's had a bit of a slip and he said, I know looks like he's really missing playing next to Gary Cahill this season. So, you know, oh, I don't know. God. Maybe we did miss Gaz. Uh, Gaz huh? huh? was great, man. Like oh, I love Gary super, Cahill. Well, he's super underrated for what he did. Like he has always been, I think a model model citizen was great at Chelsea, uh, was great for palace. And unfortunately, you know, had a season end to injury here, but I think was done pretty hard by in his last season here, and, uh, and that's I'll Gary's point. Remember him super fondly, and that was yeah. it was absolutely Gary's point. So you know, a little bit of gay, Cahill love. All right, Taylor wants to know uh, who will be the third team promoted from the playoffs in the championship. He's asking. So Swansea actually played Brentford today. Brentford, it was a super tight match. Um, I was listening to it on BBC Five Live a little bit. Brentford got a man set off late in the match. Swansea ended up winning the first leg one nothing. The Cardiff versus Fulham match is tomorrow as of recording, so we don't have the results yet. But it's going to be between Swansea, Brentford, Cardiff, and Fulham. Like, Taylor, I can't tell you. I don't even know who's in the final. But if I got to just pick a team that I'd say, oh, that'd be fun if they were back in the championship or the Premier League, it would not be Fulham. It would not be Cardiff. And for strategic signing reasons, it would not be Brentford. Bring on... The Welsh team, Swansea, also because they have an American ownership group, including Landon Donovan. What do you think, Nick? For, forgive the dogs barking here. Um, I I would pick Brentford. They're they're like two minutes away from Chelsea. They're fun. They're interesting. Uh, we've seen Fulham. We've done Fulham. I'm over Fulham. We've been to their stadium. It was great. Uh, Craven Cottage is a great ground, it though. Is. That is a it great, is. It deserves great to be in the championship. Yeah, it's a great championship venue. <laughs> Brentford, I'm I'm interested in. I, I want some new faces. You know, we've seen a lot of teams yo-yo between. Brentford hasn't been there. That would be fun. Uh, you know, plus Ben Rama can, uh, you know, potentially then uh, figure it out, Dan, with where he wants to play in the Premier League. I love um, the idea of Swansea potentially winning, though. You get a little bit of a, a Gallagher. You get uh, Mark Gurhey kind of getting a chance to potentially get the benefit of lifting a trophy and then maybe... And maybe one of them stays on loan there. Maybe one of them, like Gallagher, comes back into the side here. So, like, there, there's definitely, you know, y- you like Chelsea players associated with winning things. And, and so that would be something that would be nice to see. So, again, I just, it's going to be harder to pry Ben Rama if we are actually linked with him if he comes to the Premier League. Uh, but it would be kind of fun to see the Brentford Bees in the Premier League, you know? Even if it's just for a one-year kind of stint. Um, all right, so next one from Miller again says, Who gets the number 10 kit next season? I asked this assuming William is gone and Kai comes home. Home, in quotations. Oh, Christians. Why, Dan? Uh, assuming, do you think William's going to go? Are you agreeing with this scenario? Yeah, I, I think William's going to go. And I think Havertz will get a different number. Timo will get a different number. I think it's, it's Christian's number. I, I think there clearly has been a rise in his play, a rise in his performance that has been coached by Jody, by Lampard. And I, I don't know. I just don't see another scenario where someone else is taking the number 10 off of. Interesting. Hmm. Um, all those 22 shirts ready to get recycled. Um, I hope the club uh, has Hey, some... you can buy another new shirt this year with a couple of six 10 on the back. I hope, hope the club has some sort of uh, program for that. Uh, if that happens, I think Mason's a really good shot for the 10. 
you know, you could obviously see it going to someone like Havertz if he has like a really specific, you know, whatever uh, part of his contract that he has to be a number ten or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't think we have that many egos that are like, you know, kind of like your William Hazard egos that have to have a number to play like they're that number on the team. You know, I think Mason's done quite well with nineteen. You know, Pulisic's done quite well with number twenty-two. Tammy um, has done great with nine. So yeah. that's been a so curse kind of number. Example, right? Like Tammy was in a in a ceremony, in a ritual, blessed with the number <laughs> nine shirt, that with all the weight that it came with it. You know who else? But do you remember at the beginning of the season who was potentially the running for the ten that wasn't William? Callum. Don't think he gets it. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, or or maybe that's the thing that. You know, flips the switch again. Isn't that weird, knows? though, potentially? Like, maybe that's what invigorates him is a number? Maybe, you know, I what? look, whatever gets the job done, right? Like, I don't care who has this number. It won't matter to me. But It's because you're not a player, Nick. Oh, man, does that get them excited. Yeah, I, like, it is what it is. That I don't, whoever has it's going to perform the way they perform, but it won't be because of the number. It's not like um, the Madden curse? It's not like the Madden curse, right. um, although it. our number nine apparently was. <laughs> Anyways, that might have been a recruiting curse. Uh, all right, so uh, Miller on back-to-back-to-back here. Uh, as a fellow member of the goalkeeper union, Dan, who – oh, wait, never mind. Brandon, who do you hope we sign to replace Keppa? Wow, just not even – In your face. Just – anti Kepa And Dan also saying, not sure if this uh, – yada, yada, but it would be great to hear your thoughts on the keeper situation. Uh, you guys, Brandon, take, you have to answer. You guys want to take you a have step to answer. This or no, no, no. This, this is what, this is all your wheelhouse. What do you want to hear? I mean, so, neither one's. I want to hear enough. the like Jamie Cummings. So, so all right, let's, I got you. I got you. Number three goalkeeper on the roster has to be young English academy graduate for homegrown player rules. It makes sense. Jamie Cummings there. Uh, I've talked with Cal and I've talked with Miles and Gabriel about this while playing countless hours of Warzone. Um, you can potentially send Jamie to uh, on loan, and maybe you bring in Nathan Baxter, who's been on loan, to fill that third. I don't know if he's ready for that, or if he wants to stop playing, essentially, because it could halt his development. But right now, it's Jamie coming. Fine. Check the box. Whoever you need it to be, done. Um, the number two goalkeeper, Willie's got an extension. I think he's going to be here, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is he good enough? No. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, is a number two, he is good enough. Is he going to play in the FA Cup final? Probably. Is that the right call? Probably. Which brings us to the main problem is that we don't have a number one. Keppa came to the club with a very specific skill set for a very specific manager who had a very specific play style. When you have 77% possession of the ball, the odds of the other team scoring are extremely low. Keppa did not face a lot of shots last season he also had one of the lowest save percentages last season but again that's because he didn't see a lot of shots this season he's seen a lot of shots and still has the lowest save percentage not even in the top 20 and there are 20 teams in the Premier League that means some teams have two goalkeepers with more saves than him that is a problem the now here are your scenarios do you keep Keppa? Don't want to, but we signed him on a 17-year deal for amortization <laughs> purposes, Dan, on super wages because we messed up. We made a mistake in the transfer window, let Alisson go to Liverpool, and now we have Kepa 
on really high wages and a really long contract of amortization. So for moving him post pandemic, no one's going to buy Kepa to put him on loan with someone. It's going to essentially cost us as much to keep him. So you really don't win financially there. So you're going to now essentially be paying for four goalkeepers and only three of them on your roster. And that puts Chelsea in a really, really tricky situation. The only Hail Mary saving grace I can see with Kepa right now is that he goes to Spain because he's still rated very highly in Spain and can play the Spanish game well. But I think no matter what, Chelsea are going to lose, whether it's a loan, a long-term loan with the requirement to buy, or you just let him go for $35 million and you have to eat a ton. I don't know, but Chelsea, unfortunately... When it comes to the goalkeeper in a really tough spot, and I've said this in other podcasts before, so I'm not going to get into it. Keppa does not fit Frank's style, and Frank is not changing the team to fit Keppa. He is forcing Keppa to change his game to fit the team, and we've seen it all season. It has not worked out whatsoever. So th- this is a scenario of business, right? You made a mistake. You have to either pivot from the mistake and realize that you have some sunken cost or you have to try to work through it. And the best thing Chelsea can do in this scenario is to realize that this is not a tenable situation anymore, that a average, a Premier League average goalkeeper would have given us maybe an extra nine points, 10 points this season in terms of saves that we would have executed on that right there put us comfortably in third. Puts us at a point where actually like we're challenging in second place against Man City. Maybe we're going a little bit deeper in the Champions League. And so from that standpoint, as hard as it is when you've made a mistake in this type of scenario from from a scouting and recruitment standpoint, you have to be willing to accept that and pivot. And yes, we may pay a percentage of Kepa's wages if he goes to another team. That is the reality of the financial situation in the market. Um, It means that we probably don't, you know, I mean... Oblak is great as a shot stopper. I don't think he's great. At, you know, his, his stats actually have decreased year over year from like claiming crosses, which is something that is, you know, in the English game is something you have to be super concerned about. So someone like a, a Nick Pope or a, a Rajakovic, who is another one that's been linked to, are players that maybe have a bit of a better fit, Nick. But ultimately, it's just a realization and acceptance. And like if Chelsea can accept it and pivot, it's going to be better for it's going to be better for Keppa. It's going to be better for the club, and it's going to be better for uh, all of our heart rates during matches when a cross is kicked. We're not pulling wool over anybody's eyes with his performances this year. You know, we're we're not going to get max value for him. Your best case scenario is that he has a two year loan, uh, you know, that pays a, a lot of his wages, and you're able to recoup something, and hopefully, you know, his form improves, and you're able to sell him on for a, a better fee. Your slightly worst case scenario is that you just figure out a way to move on, um, and and just be okay eating it. Um, either scenario is not great, and obviously this was a recruiting situation that we need to figure out moving forward uh, in ways that we analyze goalkeepers. Luckily, <laughs> our sporting director is Petr Cech, so I feel good about the next one that's going to come through the door that that Petter is probably going to have a pretty decent analysis on and, and be able to move us through that one. So I, I'm not going to add more to what Brandon's already said. He did a great job with it. I, you know, I just think there is an opportunity to much like you will with Danny Drinkwater and some of the other players that have come through that have just been bust. You just got to say, look, man, you know, this wasn't it. Uh, we're going to do better next time. So 
Targets, I don't like Onana. I think he's slightly better than Keppa. He's a good shot stopper, but he's short and has real no aerial presence. I think that Frank is going to go back to what he knows. He wants a Petter Czech style goalkeeper. Tall, fantastic shot stopper, can come get the ball. So I think, I know Donnarum is not that tall, but he's commanding, he's confident. He's 21, playing at AC Milan. He's already fallen out with the fans and re and earned back that trust with them with his performances. Downside is, is Mino Raiola is his agent, so that's going to suck for us. Um, Donnarumma is 6'5". Is he? Yeah, he doesn't look that he's tall. He's huge. All right. Like, if you're, you're giving me, like, ideal scenario, Donnarumma list. would be Top of the list. Amazing. Top of the list. Yeah. So then your backup option, if you want potentially, like, a, a bargain buy, would be the Rykovic guy from Rem in, in Ligue 1. Way less proven, but from a stats standpoint and from the little bit of film I've seen, he's raw but has a lot of potential. Um, but again, I don't think, you know, who's the guy from Bournemouth? They've gone down. You could pull him, and that wouldn't be a Ramsdale. terrible option. Ramsdale. But here's the deal. It's not or, uh, Foster from no. Watford. No, he's old. He's not very agile. Like, I'd rather take a young raw goalkeeper and let our staff work with them and build them up rather than take someone who's you know 38 but he's an experienced head so i i don't know a lot of options i could go on this forever maybe i'll start another podcast uh let me know if you think that'd be interesting um the goalkeepers union i've already brandon busby i've already (laughs) taken the twitter handle um uh miller again uh from his wife sorry this is from miller's wife all right respect where it's due when does frank run for prime minister dan ready go Hopefully never, so he stays with us. Yeah, uh, hopefully 10 seasons from now. You maybe After we've won two Champions Leagues and uh, multiple Premier Leagues. Hope we win more than two in 10. He'll be Sir Frank Lampard by then. Absolutely. Nick, Vinyash wants to know, after a good first year, what are the expectations next season? Um, Good question. Um, I, I think... I think where we, where, where the club fell short this year was in the Champions League, right? It just with performances and the way that, you know, we maybe moved through the group a little slower than we would have anticipated or had some on and off performances, which is to be expected with the young team uh, going in that competition for the first time. I think the expectations around the league are still very much top four. I do not believe that even if Chelsea make all the signings in the world that, that we're going to compete at that level with Liverpool, who has a far more experienced squad at this point, or even Man City, who will be on a tour day vengeance um, against everybody. But I think third is the expectation next year, probably, uh, and a realistic one at the outset. It doesn't mean that we can't challenge. It's just, I'm just trying to be realistic. And then I think a deeper run, probably quarterfinals of the Champions League, is probably where I'm at. And, you know, if you're able to pick up another, another FA Cup along the way, Super. I'm going to co-sign all of that because I think that's absolutely the expectation I would set for the club, too. I would love a Carabao Cup run, too, where we are able to just take our youngsters or those who are not playing as much and create a B team, like a full B team for that cup run and just let those guys take it all the way to the end. Because I think it's a huge accomplishment if you're able to treat that. You know, I, I know people will say that's disrespectful or whatever, but... There's other stuff to do. We have other goals to hit. So if you're able to give playing time along the way, super. I think we're aligned on that. Um, that that is definitely needs to go up from here. Especially look at the people we've already signed and are linked to. Come on, massive opportunity. 
Jordan Henderson was the player of the season. God, we a lot of room to go on that one. All right, Cal wants to know, if you had to sign one player from one of the relegated sides to improve the squad for next season, who would it be? Uh, if you would like a little refresher, uh, at the very bottom is Norwich, then Watford, then Bournemouth. <laughs> uh, Ramsdale was the goalkeeper uh, from Bournemouth, who I kind of teased. Obviously, you talked about Ben Foster from Watford. I'm just waiting for Dan to bring out the pookie party calling. That's what I think you're going to say, Dan. I mean... No, if you wanted to go with one player that would be sort of interesting, uh, Emmy Bundia would be mm. a unique one. It, I, I don't love his attitude, but his on-the-pitch creation has been very strong outside of the, like, losing his head for the red card uh, right near the end of the season. Uh, but he's been able to generate a lot of uh, positive... Uh, goal contribution actions so uh you know if you're thinking about depth players in midfield that would be unique troy dean i'm kidding um <laughs> he just said he's about to have a knee, op- knee operation hey you laugh no i'm gonna take it i would say sar he's one of the players i would genuinely look at i don't need ryan frazier young and but he plays in a position of potential need coverage for angola Conte. Someone who can win the ball back. Sar plays on the wing, man. He's not going to cover for Angolo. You're thinking of Decore. No, not even Decore. But like, so Sar has a lot of like he's high energy. He'll go win the ball. I I honestly think he can be repositioned. And, and maybe I'm asking for a lot. That's fair. But either way, I'd say Sar, no matter where you want to play him. I love his. I energy. like Decore. Decore yeah. has always played well against us, and uh, you know, again, CDM is potentially an area of need depending on what happens this year and yeah i think he's still relatively young too so we've been yeah. we've been linked with fraser too from bournemouth because he obviously refused to play I, I think our wing options are much much better than that 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 we've got so all right next one up from taylor one more question who's better at football dan nick or brandon so here's the problem nick this isn't foot golf we're talking about are we talking about nfl football and ironically <laughs> I apparently am the worst at foot golf of all three of us. Last time we played it about a year, year and a half ago? Two years three ago? Three years ago, man. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I, I just a played while. foot golf against yesterday or against my, my buddies yesterday and, and had a great day out and hit a hit about a forty yarder in the hole. Uh, the insta um, story was good. You look like you were yeah, in form. I was I was ready to go. Um obviously Brandon played, so he's the best. I mean, like, that's not even a question. You're saving yeah. graces. I'm a goalkeeper, so you've got that, potentially. I got mad techers, though, so <laughs> <laughs> coming for you. Um, all right, yeah, I mean, Taylor, was kind of a softball. You lobbed my way, so I appreciate you, boss. All right, last but not least, Jake, does the fact that Caballero make us look so much more confident mean that we might not need to spend $100 million on a keeper like Oblock? Would it be better to buy a solid keeper and then spend the O-block money elsewhere in defense? So again, I think we want to wrap on this because that's a massive area of need, especially when you're like, yeah, Ziyech, Werner, potentially Alberts. We're like, that's great. Have you seen our defense lately, Frank? Because I feel like that's something we need to address, Dan. Um, so again, it, we have to, like, what are the positions across the back line if you could sign one position between left back, a center back, right back, or goalkeeper, like where are you investing in the squad based on where we're at today? Yeah, if it's if it's a stack rank, which I lo- I always love a stack oh. rank or a power ranking, so I'm super down with this. Um, I think it's it's center back, 
goalkeeper left back because you can push Aspie over to left back next season if you really need to. You still have Alonzo. You have Matson if you really want to go there. Um, center back is the one we don't have great positional depth at. And goalkeeper would be improved with a better center back pairing. Like Keppa would look a little bit better, not not a ton, but a little bit better with a actual set center back pairing, Nick. Correct. Yep. Address that uh, earlier in the show, but I think a top quality center back does wonders for the entire team. And it, it also, you know, I think does call out a leadership piece of being a goalkeeper, right? Which is in the Premier League, whether it's this way in Spain or France or Germany or whatever, your goalkeeper has to be a vocal leader on the pitch. They just have to be. They have to tell you when to come. They have to tell you when to leave. They have to tell you where to go on set pieces. They have, like You just have to be, Brandon, communicating all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a downfall, as we saw against Liverpool, where your central defensive line is telling Kepa to go for the ball on a set piece. That's that's not going to cut it uh, over over the span of a league. There are too many teams with too many set-piece specialists uh, for that to happen. So you really need a leader at that position. It doesn't have to be an O'Black. O'Black is obviously a leader and an extraordinarily talented goalkeeper. But you would ideally have that combination in your team. Yeah, I you know, I think that a Zuma-Christensen partnership could do okay next season. But that's kind of your point. I'm like, well, we could really upgrade the left back because I just don't feel really comfortable there. But it comes back to if you have a... Ri- and then the left back can help going forward. Does that improve the wing play? And I don't know. They Like, the left back has a much bigger role than it used to, you know, where, like, you didn't cross half. But if you, you go back to leadership and the defensive unit needs a leader in the center, which means a goalkeeper or center back. Aspie can do a good job, but he's on an island. He might be up the pitch just because of his positioning and things. So we just think back to Antonio Conte's season when he had David Luiz back there the first half, the first season, all season long. And he uncharacteristically was this very calm, collected, like poised you know, defender that organized everyone around him. And just the difference that made... So I think because as much as I really want to upgrade the left back position, I think if you could only have one based on the targets out there, because I don't think we can get that type of center back in, I'm going to go goalkeeper. But again, I've already highlighted the reasons why that is super improbable. Um, But to me, if you could get an absolute stud of a goalkeeper, I think that you have a better chance of getting that than the right center back this season. So I kind of want to like punt the center back down a year and hope that, you know, someone has developed and become this really great center back that is in the last year of their contract that we can do, you know, whether it's Upa Makano from Red Bull or I'm not even going to pretend to know anyone else because I don't. And so that's where I think we can go. So um, anyways, that's our mailbag. So a Patreon special. Thank you all for getting involved and sending us messages, talking to us in Discord. Again, it's just a way to give back. Uh, if you felt like there's a question you really wanted to ask, join our Discord. Join the Patreon. Speak up. That's the, that's the place to really, really get our attention that we can. Um, so thank you to everyone for listening and for getting involved. Obviously, Nick and Dan, gentlemen, you're fantastic. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up. So a bit of a special feature. Expect 
more content coming at you. Can we, can we say one thing? We, we, we haven't talked about it yet, but we just want to call it the fact that the Chelsea women uh, with the FA Cup, the Women's FA Cup mm-hmm. being rescheduled, the treble is now on Let's for go. the Chelsea women. They were awarded the league uh, based upon uh, points per game. They won the Women's Carabao Cup and now potentially could go for a treble season Mm -hmm. because that has been rescheduled in the new season. So I just want to make sure that we we think about Chelsea. It's a whole club. It's the the men's team, the women's team, the youth teams, and uh, they are poised for some some greatness still, too. You think they'll be able to use any of their new signings? Yeah. Uh, will they? I don't know. I Dan thought, I mean, said, yeah, gonna be Nick new. said no. So, hey, more more information. It, it's all registration window based. More information coming. Either way, let's go get that trouble. That would be amazing uh, because the women do what Chelsea does, and that's win trophies, and they're so great, so great. So, anyways, that'll wrap it up. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.